Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On today's episode, I welcome in Grant Baldwin, who is the founder and CEO of the Speaker Lab. Grant has helped thousands of people build successful and sustainable speaking business. And over the last 15 years, he has become a sought-after speaker, podcaster, author, and accomplished entrepreneur. Featured on the Inc. 5000 list, Forbes, Entrepreneur, and the Huffington Post, he has committed his expertise and insight to equipping others to share their meaningful message with the masses. His leadership and dedication to creating a -a one-of-a-kind organizational culture are evidenced by the impact of the team he leads. And you can find more about Grant on his website, thespeakerlab.com. I hope you all enjoy this conversation with Grant. So without further ado, please welcome in Grant Baldwin. Grant, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you letting me be here, man. Yeah, I'm excited. I've been I've been following your journey for a little bit. I'm because I've been thinking about getting into speaking and you know trying to get up on stage. And, and there's definitely some some fear there. There's some you know can I fit it in? You know, there's there's a lot yeah. of that. I'm sure a lot of folks go through that as well. Um, but I wanted to talk with you about kind of the getting started moments because obviously your journey is unique, just like everyone else's. But you had a, some some interesting inflection points that I wanted to touch on. I think it'd be helpful um, as we get into this. So. I thought would be a good place to start is your journey from, you know, it seemed like you were going, if we go back to late teens, early twenties, you're going down this path of a youth pastor and kind of going into that market, if you will, that career Mm -hmm. path. And then all of a sudden there's this shift saying, Hey, maybe this is not solely what I want to do. And I know a lot of folks just like myself have struggled with identity shifts, whether it's a career change or again, even moving to a new city things that they've been known for with their friends and family. And now it's something totally different. Um, so I thought we'd start there. Can you share a little bit about that journey from youth pastor to kind of getting into more of the professional speaking side of things? Yeah. So in high school, I was really involved in my local church and my youth pastor had a big impact on my life. And and so for a long time, I was like, I want to do that. Like that seems really rewarding and fulfilling. And I kind of felt like if I can make the kind of difference in others' lives that he made in my own life, like that'd be an amazing type of career. And so again, that was kind of the path I was on. So uh, I went to Bible college and then got a uh, got a job as a youth pastor at a, another local church there. Um, and part of being a youth pastor, you know, there are parts of I liked, parts of I didn't like, but one thing I really enjoyed was speaking. And speaking was one of those things I felt like I was good at, uh, I enjoyed, I wanted to do more of, but I, wasn't, I just wasn't sure like, you know, how do you find gigs and how do you get started? What do you speak about? Who hires speakers? You know, how, how does that world work? Um, and so when my wife was pregnant with our first child, um, who's now coming up on, on 18, um, this is, so it's been a minute now, <laughs> there, there's nothing like bringing a, a kid into the world that just causes you to question everything and like, yeah. okay, what do I really want to do with my life? And so at the time, uh, I knew that uh, I enjoyed speaking. I knew that this role that I had as a youth pastor, um, again, there are parts of it I liked, parts of it I didn't like. And, and so I wasn't really sure like what I would rather be doing. And so the, again, the thing I kept coming back to was speaking, but you're exactly right that I did feel a lot of that, uh, a mix of like imposter syndrome and also just like, um, um, uh, almost like sunk cost of, okay, but I've done all these other, I went to college for this. I spent years on this, spent, you know, uh, time, energy, money working towards this career path. And then I get into this career path and I'm not really sure if it's what I want to do, then I have other people probably assuming like, oh, you know, you'd be great at this. You should totally keep being a youth, you know, just find a different, you know, and, and so just kind of those internal dialogues of like, 
well, crap, what, you know, what do I, what do I do at this point? And so, yeah, that I would say that gap between wrapping up as a youth pastor and starting my career as a speaker that I've always talked about like that six months, year, whatever window that was there was like in some ways the, the best and worst season of life, because it really did cause me to think about what do I want to be when I grow up and what are the steps that I need to be taking versus just taking the path of least resistance, which would probably meant continuing down the, you know, the road that, that people just assume I should be going on. So, um, yeah, it was a, that was quite the season and just a difficult season. Um, but it, it, uh, it really caused me to ask some deeper questions, which I think ultimately led to, you know, a lot of what we're doing to even today. Yeah. Do you remember some of those and, and maybe it's internal dialogue, maybe it's with your wife, but maybe some of those questions you asked yourself, like, how did you get to the ultimate decision of no, I'm going, I'm making this right versus going down the path left. Yeah. Um, so some of it as a youth pastor, I remember, uh, like one question that I, that I was chewing on a lot was, um, as a youth pastor, there, there were, there were, um, I, I just felt like I was on all the time. Like it wasn't like you clock in, you clock out, mm -hmm. you know, when you're part of your role is just to, you know, serve and support and help people and people's lives are just happening at all times. Right. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to have, or feel like you can have certain boundaries. You know, um, the guy that I worked for, uh, admittedly, like wasn't the best, <laughs> boss or, right. or even human at times. Um, and so it was very, very difficult. And so again, I kind of recognized like, okay, not all environments are going to be like this, but had enough other buddies that I'd talk to and kind of compare notes. I was like, Hey, I'm stressed and miserable. Are you, Oh, you are too. Great. Okay. Uh, and so realizing like this, you know, the, that again, there are certainly great situations and, and opportunities that exist out there, but um, again, it just, it was for me to kind of think through like, ah, I don't really know if I want to get, be getting back into this. Um, and so I remember asking the question, like, is this a season or is this the way it is? Is this a season or is this the way it is? Because the reality is, is like every career, um, marriage, parental situation, like we all have seasons and it's like seasons come and go. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's important to ask, like, is this a season or is this the way it is? So like, let's take the career thing specifically, you know, if you are in retail, for example, you know, like November, December, end of the year, um, black Friday type stuff, like it's just busy, you know, that time of year is busy. If you're an accountant, tax time is just busy. It's just busier than, than other times of year, you know, but so it's important to ask, like, is this a season or is this the way it is? Because if this is the way it is, well, that's not healthy and that's not oftentimes sustainable. And so something at that point needs to change and something needs to shift. And so that was a big thing in my own mind of just like, okay, I just feel stressed and overwhelmed and, and busy all the time. Is this a season or is this the way it is? Uh, I kind of felt like, I don't, I don't feel like this is just a season. I don't feel like this is just a, a temporary thing. Like I don't see this improving anytime soon. Um, and so in fact, one of the things I did is I went to my boss, um, at the time and, and had a conversation of just like, man, I just feel exhausted. Like, you know, that I'm, I'm working hard. I'm a hardworking guy. Um, uh, I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm busting my butt, but I am fried and it's not for lack of effort here. Uh, I just feel fried. And to his credit, like some things did temporarily change and then quickly went back to kind of the status quo. Um, and so when, when I talk with other people about who are thinking about making some type of, you know, career shift, I get that making something a shift like that is not simple. It's not easy, but, um, I, we were in that spot where, uh, again, it was first career. Um, my wife and I, we were, uh, I was about 24 years old at the time. We didn't really have any savings. Um, uh, like I said, she was six months pregnant whenever, I, um, I left that gig. And so, 
there's nothing on paper where you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You made a really good decision there, uh, you know, leaving right. your stable career while your wife's pregnant and you don't have any savings and no plan B here. You know, like there's plenty of well-meaning family and friends that that were just like, hey, man, did you did you think this all the way through? And at the time I was like, yeah, I think I did. But, you know, now that you mention it and you kind of point out a lot of obvious things, maybe I didn't. Um, and so, yeah, it worked out and I wouldn't change anything about it. Um, but it, it did just, I think it is just, um, anyone who's in that spot of going like, is this what I want to be doing? Would I rather be doing something different? Whatever that looks like, there's always going to be reasons of, you know, well, she's pregnant or we don't have enough money or we have these expenses, we have these obligations, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Get all of that. However, there's never a perfect time to make some type of change. You know, when's the best time to start a business? When's the next, the best time to uh, change careers? When's the best time to start a family or get married or move or whatever? Like there's never a perfect time. Uh, so at some point you have to, you know, rip the bandaid, pull the cord and and make that shift. If you feel like ultimately that's the best next step for you. Yeah. Well, and you, and you said a couple really interesting things there. One is sometimes we don't even control when the net, when the time is because we get laid off or, sure. you know, wife shows up and says, Hey, I'm pregnant. We didn't plan, yep. you know, like, Oh, we were planning for two years down the road. Well, that didn't happen. You know, like these life yep. events happen. I, and, and I'm curious, and I guess this is, I mean, this could be speaking, this could be anything, but I always think about from the standpoint of like, if you're thinking of leaving a job, if you're not happy with it, let's use the career as the example, you don't have to rip the bandaid off and leave tomorrow. Maybe it is a six or 12 month yeah. time horizon and you try other things on the side, right? We, I mean, that we get back then. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that was what? Oh, seven, right? Oh, six, oh, seven, oh, eight. Like yep, yep. the internet was still very young then. Like nowadays you could, I mean, someone wants to start a podcast tomorrow, go start a podcast. You still have yeah. your full-time job. You know, yep. I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for folks as well. Would you agree with that of like, start something yeah. small on the side if you, if you want to try it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's not like I would not recommend, Hey, if you don't, you know, you don't like what you're doing, you should, you know, quit it, put your, you, you, the job that you hate on Friday. And by Monday, it just all works out, you know, yeah. like it, it just doesn't work like that. And so, you know, for those next several months, uh, you know, to kind of paint a fuller picture of, of what things look like, like it, it wasn't like, Hey, this is super vividly clear of, I want to be a speaker. So let's just jump right into that. It was just going like, I don't know what is next, but I feel like this is not it. And so for those next couple months, um, I worked a variety of kind of odd jobs. I worked at a, um, a, a security company doing like residential home security sales, like door to door sales for security systems, uh, worked at a couple different, like fine dining restaurants as a server. Um, uh, and like, again, none of these were like, these are my dream careers or aspirations. Like some of it was just kind of like buying myself time, like means to an end of just like, uh, figuring out what I wanted to do, still needed to provide for my family, still needed to eat and live indoors. And so none of this was again, career ambitions at all, but it was just like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, clocking in, clocking out, earning a paycheck, uh, providing for my family and just figuring out what's next. And so, um, uh, there, there's a, um, an expression I heard one time, I don't remember the context, but I think this can be applied in a lot of different ways. But the idea is that, uh, when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life or, uh, some type of major transition, oftentimes it's like driving a car at night. And when you're driving a car at night, you can literally only see a few feet in front of you, yet you can travel for hundreds and hundreds of miles that way. And so you have no idea the detours, the roadblocks, the construction, the fog that lies ahead, but you can continue to make that journey just, you know, again, just seeing a little bit in front of you. And that was certainly the case for, for me at that time of going like, okay, I'm not really sure what I want to be doing next. So 
what's the next logical step? Well, the next logical step is like, I I still need to provide for my family. So let's just get a job. And so, okay, let's just do that for the time being. Now let's, while we're kind of licking our wounds and figuring out what's next, you know, what do we want to do? What are we good at? Like, let's think through the past couple of years. What are some things that I've done that like really lit me up? Hey, that, you know, those times I've been speaking, that was really fun. I really, really enjoyed that. I wonder what that would look like. And there's never like this, ah, this all, all of a sudden, you know, came together and it was kind of crystal clear. Um, and it is all just panned out exactly the way I, I hoped or anticipated. Right. Uh, it was really, again, just you're, you're kind of trying to put one foot in front of the other uh, and continually, you know, moving forward and figuring it out from there. Yeah. And we, and we have to remember that it's, you know, you, you set these goals, let's say it's a year, two years, five years, you know, some folks set these 10 year goals and stuff. The reality is it's day after day, right? Things shift, something happens. Yeah. You can't always control that. So I think you're right. It's like, I like that car analogy of like, just seeing a little bit ahead and then you make a decision based on that. And as long as you're kind of going down the path you think is the right path, it may change, you know, over time. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is like every, you know, every, entrepreneur, speaker, author, podcaster, human that you look up to, you admire, you respect, every single one of them are making it up as they go. Correct. Like there are certainly days where you're just like, man, this is all working. This is great. I had this idea and it all kind of came together. And other days like everything's working and I don't know why and nothing's working and I don't know why. But everybody, I promise you, everybody is making it up as they go. They're doing their best. They're figuring it out. Uh, and that's that's so much of what life is, what entrepreneurship is, what what uh, your career journey is, is you look back and you're like, oh, I kind of see how this led to that and that led to this and and it all kind of came together. But at the time, you're like, I, I don't have any idea how this is going to play out, but I'm doing my best. I'm continually showing up and, and figuring it out as I go. Yeah. And you're figuring out what you like. Like you said, with speaking, hey, I enjoyed speaking. Let me try that again. And then all of a sudden it turned. Because if I remember correctly, you started... And, and maybe t- maybe you can tell like the timeline of this where you started a website, I think put like a little demo together and all of mm-hmm. a sudden that springboarded you into, I think it was getting your first thousand dollar speaking assignment. If that doesn't yeah. happen, like again, we don't know what happens. If, if you've never decided to do the website, all of a sudden, maybe you're not speaking today. Maybe you're doing something totally different. And those little, those little points that we don't even think about all of a sudden springboard you. Can you share a little bit about, you know, why you started the website, why you wanted to get down that path? Well, I knew that that if I wanted to be a speaker and book gigs, like having a website, having a demo video were critically important. That's still something within, you know, the speaker lab, our, our, our training company for speakers today, that's still a core thing of what we teach is you, you got to have a website, you got to have a, a demo video. Because for an event planner, a decision maker, they are in the risk mitigation business. And so if they're going to hire you, they're going to put you up on stage, they're going to give you a microphone, let you talk to their people, they get they got to have some level of confidence that you're going to do a good job, that you're, you're not going to embarrass them, you're not going to say anything rude or inappropriate or anything like that. Uh, and so having that website, having that video gives them a little bit of peace of mind. And so I knew how important that was as a speaker. Every speaker that I was Googling and coming across uh, had website, had a demo video. So I quickly you know, pieced together like, okay, these are things I got to have. At the time, I, I didn't have any... Um, I couldn't build a website, you know, I didn't know how to make a demo video. I didn't know any of those things, right? And so um, uh, I actually, um, one of the things I, I wanted to do was I wanted to, um, again, this was uh, 2006, seven, something like that. There were no, there weren't really any courses or trainings or coaches or uh, um, podcasts or books or resources about 
um, speaking. And so there's a, what I found myself doing was just emailing other speakers. Like, can I pick your brain? Can I harass you? Can I stalk you? You know, type stuff. And, um, met several guys who were super helpful, super nice. There was one guy in particular who's like, Hey, I'm thinking about hosting this speaker training in Dallas. Um, and at, again, at the time there just weren't any other resources. I was like, yes, sign me up. I'm totally interested in that. Um, but he said it was going to be a thousand dollars and he may as well have said it was a billion dollars because I, I didn't have it. Um, and so knowing that, like, okay, I need, I need a website. I need a, uh, I want to attend this training. Um, I need a demo video and uh, all these things cost money and resources. I just didn't have, like, we just had a baby. Um, again, I'm, we're just, we're, uh, trying to just make ends meet and like, we're just struggling to keep our head above water at, at best. Um, and so what I ended up doing was I actually went to my dad, um, and I borrowed $2,500 from him and to his credit, when I asked him, um, my dad's, uh, he, he's done fine in, in life. He's an entrepreneur. Um, he's never given us handouts. He's always taught us like, you know, if you, if you want something, you go work. Um, and so I was very, very hesitant to ask him for anything. We have a great relationship. I just, I wanted to, I knew he'd earned everything and I wanted to earn everything too. And so to his credit, he said, Hey, I'm going to give this to you, not as a, as a loan, but as an investment of, um, you know, I believe in you, this is a gift. And so, um, uh, so I took that use, you know, some of that money for attending this training, some of the travel that was associated with that, uh, and just the cost associated with that. And then also for the the website and the, the demo video, in fact, the demo video, the first iteration of it was, um, I borrowed a, a little handy cam from a friend. I set it up at the yeah. side of a room on a tripod, um, speaking at a, another youth group. And the, uh, we were, I spoke to a group of about 30 teenagers. The audio was bad. The acoustics were bad. The lighting was bad, <laughs> you know, but it worked. Yeah. I edited it myself in windows movie maker, which I don't even know if that's still a thing anymore. Um, and, and strung all this together to like, Hey, this is version 1.0. Like again, like w whatever, uh, speaker, entrepreneur, whoever you admire, you respect, like you think like you look at where they are today and think, Oh, well, they've got it all together. Look at their website or the demo video or how quality their podcast setup is or whatever it may be. It's like, yeah, you're looking at where they are today, but like, look at version 1.0. And so for me, version 1.0 was this crappy little demo video, but it worked. And you you uh, you use that for a little while. You book some gigs, and then over time, you get you know better footage and better footage and better videos and better videos. And same with the website. Like fast forward to today, and I'm on six, seven, eight different iterations of websites, demo videos. And so, but at the time, like again, you work with what you've got. You do it with excellence. Do it to the best of your ability, and improve as you go. And so, the other thing I wanted to say there was that. Um, our, uh, again, talking about like the speaker lab, our, our training company for public speakers today, um, our mission is we want to give speakers clarity, confidence, and a clear path to make an impact, clarity, confidence, and a clear path to make an impact. And I felt like for me early on, like, um, in that transition of going in that transitional season, that's a big thing I was looking for was that clarity, that confidence, and that, that clear path. Uh, of going like, I think I can do this if someone would just tell me what to do. Like, give me the steps. I'll execute on it. I just need someone to tell me what those things are. And so once you start to have some of that that clear path laid out, you got a little bit more clarity there. It also starts to build that confidence because for a lot of speakers, a lot of people who may be watching or listening right now, whether it's speaking or whatever, part of what you're wondering may be like, I'm interested in making this transition or I want to take this leap, but do I have what it takes? Am I good enough? Could I accomplish this? Am I the type of person that could, you know, be a speaker, that could be a podcaster, that could start their own business? You know, and uh, I see other people doing it, but am I qualified to do that, right? And so 
when I booked that first gig, it was also just like this massive boost of confidence. Like, oh, dang, like I can do this. Like, I'm not the best speaker in the world by any means, but I can do this. I know what that what that formula, what that game plan, what that roadmap looks like. Um, and so it just gave me massive confidence there to continue to build from that point. What, did, what was the topic you spoke on your first speaking gig? Uh, so that very first gig, um, uh, one was it was a little intimidating because uh, as a former youth pastor, I knew um, there, there's so many different groups that you could speak to and, and what you could speak about. What One of the things that we teach inside the speaker lab is that you don't want to try to be all things to all people. So when someone says, you know, who do I speak to? I speak to humans. I speak to people. My message is for everybody. Like, okay, that's a horrible idea. And the same way that like a book isn't for everybody. A podcast isn't for everybody. A TV show isn't for everybody. Like you're not trying to create this one thing that uh, hits the world. Like you want to solve one specific problem for one specific audience. And so as a, a former youth pastor, I, I genuinely enjoyed working with students. So And so I wanted to continue speaking to students. And so um, I was hired to speak at this youth conference for uh, Missouri 4-H. And uh, for those that aren't familiar, 4-H is kind of like, a, if you're familiar with like um, FFA, it's a Future Farmers of America. It's basically like a lot of students who are from rural com farming communities. And so, um, you know, when they hired me, they, they hired me to come in and, and talk about kind of, you know, motivation and, and leadership type topics. Um, but it's a bit intimidating of going like, I don't know anything about farming or agriculture or cows or chickens or corn or any of these things. But uh, I quickly realized like, um, you know, that particular audience, like they, at the core, they were still teenagers who had, you know, struggles and challenges and were trying to figure out life. And so um, it was kind of, you know, just a message of, of motivation with them. Um, but that talk went really, really well. I remember I got a standing ovation, um, spoke for about 30, 45 minutes to a group of about 300 students, um, had a lot of people came up to me afterwards, like, oh, man, that was really, really good. And can you come speak at our school and yada, yada. And it was just kind of affirming of like, okay, I think I can, I can actually do this. And we talk a lot with our, our students today at the Speaker Lab about how speaking is is um, it's like when you when you book that first gig and when you do that first gig, it's like pushing a domino. And when you have like a series of dominoes and how like it starts this chain reaction of like confidence and, and steps that you need to be taking to continue to build that. And so, um, yeah, I, I just remember after that first gig, like, oh, dang, like I can do this and I want to do this. Um, it's just a matter of continuing to put in the work. Maybe we'll kind of go deeper on that from like someone trying to get started to speak. Uh, how do you, I had, uh, I had Stan Phelps on, um, who's a keynote speaker and, and we kind of were, I was noodling around this idea of like these, like the three stool approach to speaking. And you think about like the business side of it. Um, you think about like the, like what you're going to talk about, I guess. And then you think about like the stage presence and maybe you add something else to that stool. Maybe it's a four, four leg. I don't know. But like, can you, you could take either lever that you want to pull, but if we take the business side of speaking again, what you're going to talk about and then like how you actually do the, the talk, how do you get on stage, the fear, all that stuff, how would you encourage folks to think about those as they're getting started with speaking or maybe want to get into it? Yeah. So, um, uh, so inside the speaker lab, uh, like I mentioned, our, our, our training company for speakers, uh, we have a, a process that, that makes the acronym speak S P E A K. And so this is what we teach to every speaker at all levels. Uh, about how you build and grow a speaking business. And so maybe what we can do is I can give this to you at a high level and then we can kind of dive in yeah. wherever. But the first part of the process, S, is to select a problem to solve. Select a problem to solve. And again, I'll just kind of give you the high level here. But, uh, uh, and we kind of touched on this, but you need to be clear on two things. Who do you speak to and what problem do you solve? You don't, you don't want to try to be all things for all people. So we always tell people like you, 
you want to be the steakhouse, not the buffet, the steakhouse, not the buffet. Meaning, Brian, if you and I are going out to eat, we're looking for a good steak. Like we have a choice. We could go to a, a buffet where steak is one of a hundred things that they offer and they're all mediocre, or we could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really well. So they don't do lasagna. They don't do sushi. They don't do tacos. They don't do strawberry shortcake. They do steak and that's it. And so they're not trying to appeal to vegetarians. They're not trying to appeal to, you know, but what about people that like, you know, Chinese food? No, no, like we do this and this is what we're really, really good at. Uh, and so that'd be one thing is be really, re again, solve one specific problem for one specific audience. Uh, the next part of the process, P, is to prepare your talk. Prepare your talk. Meaning like once you're clear, what's the solution that you're providing be clear about how you're going to provide that solution. Uh, meaning, are you going to do uh, workshops or keynotes or seminars or breakouts? Are you doing this in person? Are you doing this virtual? Like, what do you want the business to kind of look like? And how do you, um, uh, how, how are you going to deliver that presentation? Next part E is to establish yourself as the expert. And so we already touched on this, but two key marketing assets you need is you need a website and you need a demo video, website and demo video. So we touched on website. Let me quickly talk about that demo video for a second. Now, a demo video, I want you to think about it's kind of like a movie trailer. And so movie trailers, they're going to take a, Hollywood's going to take a, like a 90 minute, two hour movie. They're going to boil it down to two or three minutes. And within those two or three minutes, you have an idea of who's in it. What's the plot? What's the theme? What's the genre? And the goal of the demo video and the goal of the movie trailer is to make people want to see more. Uh, and so like we touched on, like, the event planners, decision makers, they're in the risk mitigation business. And so in the same way that you don't want to risk your your time or dollars going to see a movie that you don't know anything about, you're like, I just want to see that trailer. And within, you know, a minute or two, not, not even that, even within 30 seconds, you have right. a good idea of like, am I willing to sit through this? Am I willing? I can't wait to see this. Or like, that's stupid. I don't want to go see that. That looks dumb. Uh, and everybody's going to be different. There may be great movies. It's just not what you are looking for. And so that's the point of that demo video for event planners and decision makers. Next part of the process, A, is to acquire paid speaking gigs, acquire paid speaking gigs. Now, this is oftentimes the part that people want to fast forward to. Like, yeah, dude, just tell me how to book gigs. But if you don't have these other foundational pieces in place first, it's really hard to book gigs because you're not even sure like what you speak about or what problem you solve or who would book you. And you don't have any marketing assets to go along with that. The other mistake speakers make here is going, okay, um, I got my website, I got my video. Now I just sit back and I wait for the phone to ring. And like, it just doesn't work like that. Like your, your mom is thrilled and she's going to tell both of her friends, but nobody else cares. And so if you build it, they will not come. Uh, and so yeah, at that point, again, like we've touched on speaking as a momentum business, you got to do some work to start to generate some of that momentum there. The same way that like when you launch a podcast, nobody cares. Uh, so you got to start to do some work there to build some of that momentum, to get some listeners over time. It starts to kind of take on a life of its own, but it's, it's a, it's a lot of proactive work rather than reactive and like hoping people magically find out about you as a speaker or you as a podcaster. Uh, and then the last part of the process K is know when to scale, know when to scale, meaning people who are interested in speaking are also interested oftentimes in writing a book or coaching or consulting or doing a podcast or doing a course. And so which reminds speakers, like you can do all the things, but you can't do all the things at once. Something's going to come first. Something's going to come last. So you got to be clear and intentional about how speaking fits into the mix of what it is that you're trying to accomplish. So again, that's kind of the, that uh, speak framework that we teach speakers of when you're coming in and going like, I want to be a speaker, whether you want to speak a hundred times a year or five times a year, doesn't matter. You need to follow this process here uh, and follow these steps for building and growing a speaking business. Mm. I like that. Uh, very simple and concise. Can I dig into these a little bit? I'm, I'm, yeah, absolutely. Wherever uh, you want to go. So I'm just going to jump around, but I'm thinking of like, 
you know, acquiring the paid gigs is my assumption. Do you agree with doing free speaking for a while to build up that the Rolodex if people are still using those nowadays, but like, or, or do you guys encourage something different? No, I mean, like free speaking gigs can be good. Um, what I always say is like, I think free speaking gigs can have a bad rap because people assume like, ah, oh, I want to be a paid speaker. I'm not in this to try to be a free speaker. Free speaking can be really, really good, but you have to be clear on why you're doing a free gig. You are running a business. And so don't just do a free gig out of the goodness of your heart. Okay. So you are providing something of value. You need to receive something of value in exchange. Now, the thing that you may receive may or may not come in the form of a check. Now, ideally it, it, it does. It comes in some form of, of currency, but that currency again can look different. So let me give you a couple of examples uh, of when it might make sense to go do a free gig. Um, it might make sense to do a free gig if, like you said, there are people in the audience that you know may be looking for speakers and may consider hiring you. You may consider doing a free gig if um, you just need to practice. Like the way that you get better as a speaker is no different than the way that you get better at any anything else. Is you you have to do the thing. And so if you want to get better as a podcaster, as a writer, as a um, um, uh, playing a, a sport or an instrument, like you gotta, you gotta do the craft. And so the way that you get better as a speaker is you speak. And so it may be worth doing a free gig just to get some reps. It may be worth it. Um, if you are connected with the uh, event planner, who's just going to give you at bat, but they are connected with some other event planners and they may be willing to give you a recommendation or an introduction to some other, uh, event planners, uh, or decision makers who could hire you. That could be a win. Um, Let's say you have some other product or service. Uh, it may make sense for you to do something for free because you're going to generate revenue on the back end of what it is that you're doing. You know that people in the audience may be interested in um, hiring you for coaching or consulting or buy your book or course or whatever it may be. Maybe interested. Um, maybe worthwhile to build your email list or um, just to start to continue to to build your brand or for networking opportunities. Maybe you know other speakers that are going to be at a certain event that you are trying to connect with, and so being a speaker at the same event that they are a speaker gives you some level of credibility with them and it may help you to kind of rub shoulders with them um it could be valuable for speaking for free um uh for travel you know let's say that you're gonna you're invited to my wife is always like half joking very much serious and said uh grant will speak for free in hawaii if the family gets to come you know like there's value in that right yeah. so there's an event i remember doing early on where i was invited to speak at something in um that was hosted in dallas at great wolf lodge like the in the big indoor water park and so i was able to bring my my family and so uh they were able to dad had to work for a day or two but they were able to swim nice. and play and goof off for several days and you know that it was on someone else's dime well that's valuable to me right um and so the point being is like you don't always um uh have to say like well i you know I just got to do free things just to do free things like no no there's a lot of ways that you can receive value from a free gig that you may do but again you have to determine what's the value that you're trying to receive versus you know a company just saying or an organization saying like well, well hey we don't pay speakers or you're going to get a lot of exposure or you know you you should thank us for this opportunity not necessarily like you got to determine if this is worthwhile to you or what's the value that you're going to receive there so free gigs can certainly be a good way to get started. Another thing is just to, um, uh, is, is both warm and cold outreach. You would be surprised at the number of people that are in your sphere of influence who are connected with people who book gigs. Now you may be thinking like, well, I don't know anybody that's event planner. No, maybe not, but you probably know someone who is, or an example would be, um, uh, let's say you go to a chiropractor, right? And you're like, well, my chiropractor is not a speaker and they don't book gigs. Like, yeah, but they are probably a part of a 
of some type of association of chiropractors. They probably attend events uh, for uh, development for, for their own career. They, they may know someone who is connected with that association or the event that they go to on an annual basis who hire speakers, right? So they're, they're all around us, but we're oftentimes just not, not thinking about or looking for them. And so the reason that I was able to book that Missouri 4-H gig, that very first gig, and when all I had was a website and a demo video, there was nothing on paper that like, oh, this guy, you know, should absolutely speak at this when I hadn't really professionally done anything was that I found their website. I sent them an email. I found when their event was, Hey, I see that you're having an event several months from now. You has, from looking at things, it looks like you've hired speakers for this in the past. You're probably going to hire a speaker for this in the future. I live here in your state. Let me tell you why I'm a, a good fit and starting that conversation. So I'm not trying to convince them to hire a speaker. They're already having a speaker, whether it's me or somebody else. I'm just showing them why I am a good fit for what it is that they may be, may be looking for. Uh, and so a lot of it is just, it's, no different than any other type of business. It's starting conversations. It's following up. It's staying top of mind. And it's being really, really good to work with. Because like, uh, Brian, you touched on, part of it is like being great on stage, which I don't want to negate uh, or take away from that because it is important. Like if you are, if you're, you're great at booking the gig, but you show up and suck. Like it's just, it's hard to build a business that way. In the same way that you open a brand new restaurant and you have all the the sizzle and like, man, you're doing a great job at drawing people in, but your food sucks. People don't come back and they don't tell other people. So you have to be great on stage. That's like table stakes. That's important. Doesn't mean you need to be world-class right out of the gate. Um, Cause sometimes again, people look at speakers who are way, way better than them and think, well, I'll never be that good. Like, yeah, but also like they're probably much higher fee. So it's not like someone saying, um, you know, I'm a brand new speaker. I'm a thousand dollar speaker. And that speaker is a $50,000 speaker and they're better. Yeah, they should be. But someone who's hiring a $50,000 speaker is not considering you as a thousand dollar speaker. They're, they have a thousand dollars, which means they're still looking for like, I still want to get a good speaker. You know, if you, um, when, when my wife and I were broke and we had $10 to go out to eat, it's not like, well, we can't afford a good steakhouse. Like we couldn't, but we still want to make that $10 count. We still want to get something good for our dollars. Uh, and so the same thing is true with speakers, like speakers, event planners, organizers, like they still want high quality speakers. And so, yeah, there's several strategies of what, what we could teach there, whether that be through doing free gigs, through cold outreach, through warm outreach, through your referrals, through your network, um, to start to get that ball rolling. Mm. Well, and you brought up a, a really great point that I don't think is, I hear enough, is that you're not going, I'll use like the software analogy, but like you know, if you're a two person startup, you're probably not paying top dollar for Salesforce, right? You're going to use sure. a, a cheap CRM just to kind of get in the game, right? Yep. Same. And you could use the obviously spread that analogy across the, the mix. So yeah, if you're trying to get into speaking, you're not going to be getting into a top, you know, you're probably not getting hired at South by Southwest or something like that. It's totally. probably a small local. But yeah, that's your opportunity to say, hey, what is a very small area that I could at least get into. Maybe it's free, maybe it's small paid, but now I'm getting that experience. Because to your point, I think the value, I always think this too, and this is maybe a little side rail, but I think going back to like select a problem and prepare your talk, I think a lot of folks can do that by being guests on podcasts. And this is something, again, not talked about enough is go and put yourself out there because most of the time, especially smaller podcasts or you know people that if they fit your market, they want to have guests. If you're an expert in that industry, go hone your craft, kind of like Chris Rock does in a small corner comedy club totally. a year before he does a Netflix special, right? He's still kind of working on the material. So I think that's a great way to for folks listening in, maybe to think about if you're trying to prepare your talk, well, do it and see what the reaction is on a podcast because that's 
low stakes, right? I mean, I think that's a yeah. good area to start. No, absolutely. Now the 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 one thing that you have to be aware of is as a speaker, you're trying to figure out like who I speak to, what problem I yeah. solve. Is there's an overlap between what you're interested in, what you're knowledgeable on, what your experience is, what you're passionate about, and what is it that organizations and groups actually hire speakers to talk about? Because just because you're passionate about it doesn't necessarily mean that organizations and groups are willing to pay for it. Okay, so let me give an example. When I started to get some traction as a speaker. I was doing a lot in the education space. Uh, was speaking a lot uh, to high schools and was doing a lot on you know motivation, helping students think through um, you know what what they what they wanted to do with um, their career, what they want to do with life. And so um, uh, there was a topic that um, I was really passionate on, which was personal finance. And if I was to ask you know 100 high school principals how many of them thought that teaching students about money was important like all 100 of them would say yeah absolutely that's important what i found though is nobody hired speakers to talk about personal finance it just wasn't a thing and so what i ended up doing was um i continued to talk about helping students make a transition from high school into college and career and kind of figure out what they want to do with their life and within that one of the things i started to talk about was was personal finance and so i was able to kind of talk about it under a bigger overarching umbrella but on a on its own it was it was something that people would say was important but it wasn't anything that people were actually hiring speakers to talk about and so that was a, a thing that i think again is important if you say hey i'm the world's foremost expert on underwater basket weaving and like that's great, but if nobody's right. hiring speakers to talk about it, it doesn't matter. And so if the goal is, my goal is I want to be a speaker, then you gotta be clear on like, what is it that groups, organizations hire speakers to talk about and what's that overlap? Now, what I, I would not recommend, we don't teach this at all, is say, hey, you know, here's the, the five topics that are most hired for speakers, just figure out which one you should do. Like, don't do that. Um, in the same way that like, don't figure out like, you know, which topic makes the most money or which audience makes the most money. I'm just going to talk about that and try to speak to that audience. That's also an awful idea. And I don't recommend that at all. So you have to find this overlap again between here's what I'm interested in, what I'm knowledgeable on, what I'm passionate about, what my skill set is, and here's what organization group, here's who actually hires speakers. And this is what they hire speakers to talk about. And what is that overlap that I could potentially speak on? Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, we could probably do a whole three-hour podcast just on how to stage presence or, or how to get gigs and maybe maybe we'll have you back for a part two maybe we'll go deeper to that um let me ask you i want to go i want to kind of transition because i want to talk about starting like kind of a unique path and, and failing a little bit um does this date ring a bell to you january 11th 2016 january 11th 2016 um I won't make you sweat too long. Episode okay. one of your podcast. Episode oh, way back one. When. Yeah, way back Early, when. I was thinking. I was thinking it was right around then. This is when we started. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, I don't. Remember, I think we're at 460, 470 some episodes, yeah. um, something like that. So, like, uh, when you when you compare the two, like they're you know they're one of these things. It's not like the other, you know. So January twenty sixteen is i mean at the time of this recording we're coming up on almost uh almost eight years ago yeah. i believe um uh, that's a long time ago uh to do something and so um uh yeah i, I think like you, you can't get to you know 400 some 500 episodes unless you do episode one and then you can't get to however many speaking gigs unless you do that first gig and again this is true with with anything um and so that first episode was you, you do your best you put yourself out there and you keep showing up um and you know you figure out some stuff and learn some stuff along the way 
Well, and kind of pairing with that, I also wanted you to chat maybe about, and this is about more on the failing side, but kind of taking a chance is your first course, you launched it right around that same time and kind of thought yeah. that might be a route to go. But if I recall and fact check me this, like it kind of failed. It, it didn't go yeah. as you expected. Yeah. So that was, uh, that would have been like a year or so before, but, um, basically the nutshell there was, I actually had another, a different podcast podcast called, how did you get into that? Um, still up there. You can still go listen to it. But because I was doing a lot of speaking on the career topic, I had a lot of people who were asking me like, you know, Hey, that's your, your speaker. How did you get into that? And so I thought that'd be an interesting podcast topic would just be to ask other people like, Hey, you have a unique career. Like, how did you get into that? And so interviewed a guy who was a Lego master builder, interviewed a guy who was a, um, uh, worked for Nike and worked with Michael Jordan designing the Air Jordan. Um, worked with a lady who's a cheesemonger, like a professional, mm. like cheese expert. Um, a guy who's an NBA mascot. Just these type of unique careers, and you're like, well, how did you get into that? And so did that for a while. And so uh, with a podcast on that, and then speaking on on careers and what you wanted to do with life, it led to oh, I should create a course on this. And so created a course on that. Launched that I believe in December 2014. Um, and thinking like, ah, oh, this is it. This thing's going to blow up. It's going to be amazing. And it sucked. Um, it was, it was just a crickets. Um, and, uh, ironically that, so the, the course was called clarity course. And ironically, it wasn't really clear who it was for. <laughs> uh, and this is a good example of like we touched on, like being clear on who you speak to, what problem you solve. Oftentimes we think we want to spread the net as far and wide as possible. You know, like I want to talk about the biggest pot. I want to talk about motivation to who to women. Okay. Well, that's half the population, you know, like let's, we got to narrow that down significantly. Um, and so, uh, whenever I, was, I created that course for, you know, helping people figure out what they wanted to do with their life, you know, in terms of career, like, well, that's still like a large group of people who would fall into that. And so the more specific, the more clear you are, the more narrow you are, the easier it is for people to determine like if, if what you're doing is a fit for them. And so with what we do today at the speaker lab, like we help people understand how to find and book paid speaking gigs, how to get booked and paid to speak. And so people watching or listening are really easy to self-select and say like, that's exactly what I'm looking for, or I'm interested in that, or nope, doesn't scratch my itch once whatsoever. And that's fine. Versus kind of like, eh, maybe, and oh, wait, tell me again, like what exactly is it that you do and how do you help with that? Uh, and so being really, really clear about solving one specific problem for one specific audience. This is, again, this isn't exclusive to speaking, but whether you want to be a speaker or a podcaster or an entrepreneur or create a course or whatever it is you want to do, solve that one specific problem for that one specific audience. Is that where folks that come to the speaker lab, is that kind of where they get, they trip the first, like kind of out of the box, it's it's that, the not being clear, or is it somewhere else that you find as well that they get tripped up? No, that's a definitely a big one um, for sure is because again, people are just like, Hey, I want to be a speaker. I don't know what to do from here and how do I get started and what do I speak about and who hire speakers or here's who, you know, um, I'm interested in talking to, you know, women. Um, it's like, okay, let's narrow that down. And like, uh, or here's this topic that I'm interested in talking about. Like oftentimes people are clear on one side of the equation or the other, but helping to narrow that down becomes really, really difficult. And so it is hard to, you may have heard this expression before, but it's hard to read the label from inside the jar with all of our own stuff. Like it, we are so close to it and we're thinking like, but you know, I, who hires this and what would they talk and what, why would they hire me? And what could I even talk about? And what's this angle? And this doesn't feel unique because something that may come easy or natural to us 
may feel like rocket science to someone else. And so we don't see it as a big deal when maybe it, it really is. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, that's definitely a big thing that we help people with is we have a, a team of coaches that work one-on-one -on -one and in group calls with our students to help them get clear on like, hey, this is who to speak to. This is what to speak about. And getting that clarity uh, of what um, what they could do, but also what exists in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So if, if someone, they're listening and they're like, all right, 2024 is the year I'm going to start speaking. They go to the yeah. speaker lab. What's like, is there one area you would guide them to? Maybe it's a download y'all did. Maybe it's the podcast. Like what, where would you guide them to start? Is there one spot? Yeah, good question. So if you go to the speakerlab.com and I'm pulling it up right now, um, we do have a tab up there, get started. And so on that get started, there's a couple different things you can do. Um, we have a speaking fee calculator. We have a PDF there of seven steps to booking more paid gigs. We have a live training. We do almost a daily uh, free live training oh, really? on wow. walking through a process of how to get booked and paid to speak. That speak framework we, um, we talked about, we go in more depth there. Um, we got a book called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building Your Platform. You can check that out. And then like we touched on the podcast, podcast by the same name, the Speak Aloud podcast. Um, to people who listen to this podcast probably listen to other shows. And so uh, if you want to know more about speaking, uh, we've got hundreds and hundreds of hours and episodes there that you can check out. So yeah, it kind of depends on like, um, what someone's looking for and how much help they want. You know, do I want to just, um, uh, Hey, I just give me the book and I'm good to go. Let me listen to the podcast anonymously, or let me attend a free training or, you know, let me just download this PDF. There's a lot of things there depending on what it is someone's looking for. Mm. Yeah. Again, I think to your point, we've kind of touched on this a little bit. It's, you have to take that first step of saying, all right, I want to speak. And then it depends really the amount of work you want to put in, right? You can you yeah. can make excuses all day of like, well, I'm not going to be a good speaker or there's not the market's not big enough for my topic or whatever. But until yep. you actually dive deeper into it, you don't really know how good you can be or how big you can make the business. You just have to actually start and then, you know, put some time and effort to see where your where your story can actually fit in. Same yeah, way. and I like one important note I would say would be like um, we notice there are people who come in and just like, Hey, I'm all in on speaking and I'm going to figure this out with or without you. So, you know, let's do this. Um, and other people are like, I, you know, speaking is kind of cool. I've always been intrigued by that. And I'm kind of interested. Yeah. I wouldn't mind like kicking the tires on it. And like, that's fine, but you can't expect to put in amateur efforts and get professional results. Mm -hmm. You can't expect to put in amateur efforts and get professional results. Okay. So, uh, a good example would be, um, I'm really into pickleball. Brian, you ever played pickleball before? I, I have a few times. It's fun. Man, pickleball is a, it's a ton of fun. It's a silly <laughs> game, but it's a ton of fun. And yeah. so I play usually a couple of days a week with some buddies and we play a lot. We all take it semi-seriously, but there are a couple guys there that take it super seriously and they play in tournaments and they, they are practicing drills and they're watching YouTube videos. They are all in on pickleball. And so if I show up and I kind of play around with them and they're kicking my butt, I can't be mad that they're getting different results than I am because we're putting in two different forms of effort. You know, if I put in an amateur effort, I'm just like, man, but they're so much better. That's not fair. It's like, yeah, because they're just putting more effort into it. So you can't put in amateur effort and expect professional results. And so if you're going to kick the tires of speaking, then you can't expect like, wow, why am I not crushing it? And again, this is not exclusive to speaking. This is true with anything, you know, whether it be your health or your marriage or parenting or your business or your career. You know, if you want to be successful as a speaker, you can absolutely be successful, but you got to be willing to put in the energy and effort related to the amount of results that you're looking to achieve. Great. I think that's a, that's a good exclamation point on our conversation. Maybe, um, anything else for the audience, any last wishes or questions or thoughts, anything on your mind? 
You no, man, I appreciate the opportunity. And, and like, uh, like we've touched, we've touched on a variety of different things here, but if there's anything I can do to help support people um, on their, their speaking journey, please don't hesitate to, to reach out, hit us up. Like I said, everything we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, um, the podcast, the book, the different free resources there uh, to check out. But um, wherever you are on your speaking journey, we, we would love to be able to help you support you. Even if you're just like, hey, I'm not super interested in speaking, but uh, you know, would love to, to touch base on, you know, figuring out a career, starting a business or whatever, podcasting, whatever it may be. Like, uh, happy to help however I can. Awesome, Brad. Thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it, buddy. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.